me uh, read the scripture for today. If you would, just receive, stand, and receive God's word from Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. God's word says this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Lord, would you give your servant utterance right now to help explain your word and help the people, Lord, to apply it, to live it out. God, thank you for this. Thank you for Sundays, the day of your resurrection, the day we remember how death was defeated, how sin was defeated. God, help us to live in that victory. Embrace it afresh today, I pray in the strong name of Jesus. If you agree, church, say amen. 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 You can take a seat. We're in the midst of our series entitled uh, Holy Redeemed, and I want to look today at Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. And the title for the message today is very simply Freedom from Sin. Freedom from Sin. And the question I want to answer for you today is how do people experience freedom from sin? How does that happen? You might say, Pastor Tony, I got saved in 1985. And yet I still struggle with sin. Why is that? Does that, does that mean that I, I'm not saved or something? What gives? You might say, I got saved in 1995, Pastor Tony. I got saved in 2005. I got, to, I got saved in January of 2020. Do you remember January of 2020? I didn't know what coronavirus was in January. That seems like ages ago. You might say to me this morning, Pastor Tony, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, 30 months, 30 days, but I'm still struggling with sin. I'm still not over my, my greed, my lust, my envy, my hate, my bitterness. Is there something wrong with me, Pastor Tony? Does that mean I'm not saved? Let me be clear about this this morning. No, it does not mean that you're not saved. In fact, you know what I really want to say? If you ask that question, I want to say, get in line. We're, <laughs> we're all struggling with sin. This is a part of our life. Even the most saintly among us, the most saintly people you know struggle with sin. And if he or she says otherwise, they're lying. We all struggle with sin. I heard a story this last week about the great theologian, Dr. Lewis Sperry Chafer. When Chafer was an aged man, an older man, in his mid-70s, he came before a group of seminarians, of future pastors, and he prayed this prayer in front of them. He said, as a, as a wise old man, he said, Lord, 
Keep me from being a lustful old man. And listening at that time, one of those seminarians was the future professor Howard Hendricks. And Hendricks went up to Chafer later and he asked him, I think very sincerely, he said, sir, how old do you have to be before you stop struggling with lust? And Dr. Chafer told him, I don't know, but it's not 70. No, we do this till we die. We struggle with sin until we die. That's what we're called to do. For some of you, it might not be lust. For some of you, it's pride. For some of you, it's, it's anger. For some of you, it's discontentment. And you might say, yeah, Pastor Tony, when's it going to end? When's it all going to stop? Well, I got some good news and I got some bad news for that, okay? I'm going to start with the bad news. Always start with the bad news, okay, when you're doing this. The bad news is that it's not going to end. You're going to fight for the rest of your life until you go home to glory after death or until Christ returns. You're going to struggle with sin. Billy Sunday said it best. He said, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I have a head. I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. And when I'm old, fistless, footless, and toothless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory, and it goes home to perdition. Well said, Billy Sunday. That's the... Bad, can I call that the bad news? I mean, there's, some, there's something good in that, that fight. God has called us to fight. But here's the really, really good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin, past, present, and future. The good news is that our sin cannot be held against us if we are justified in Christ Jesus. The good news is that our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. Do you believe now, church? You guys are out of practice. Come on now. Those watching at home, amen it, please. We have salvation in Jesus Christ because of Jesus' death and resurrection. That leads to our justification. That assures our glorification. Someday we will get new resurrection bodies. In the meantime, in between our justification and our glorification, we're right here. We're in this process of sanctification. That's what I want to talk about today. Sanctification. Sanctification. How do we change? How do we experience freedom from sin? I'll give you three answers to that today. I'm calling these the three R's of freedom from sin. You guys know the three R's of education, right? Reading, writing, arithmetic. Y'all heard that before? These are the three R's of freedom from sin. Here's the first R. We need to realize, we need to realize our freedom in Christ Jesus. Okay? We realize our freedom in Christ Jesus. Paul says this in Romans 6, verse 6. He says, we know. Do you know? We realize. Do you realize this? We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be done away with, might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. I know what some of y'all are asking about that first verse. Verse six, you're asking, what is our old self? What is that? 
The older versions would call this the old man. What is that old man? What is our old self? Is that the sin nature in us? No, not exactly, because we still have our sin nature. Our old self is our connection to Adam. And we are no longer, in light of our connection to Jesus Christ, connected to Adam. That old has gone, the new has come, Christ is now our head instead of Adam, and our self has died and been raised to new life. We talked about this a few weeks ago with this, this picture of being buried with Christ, that, that picture that's symbolized in baptism. Paul said in verse 3, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Old self gone, newness of life has come. That's our experience right now. Let me say it this way. We are dead to sin. We are dead to sin. We have new life in Christ Jesus. Here's how Robert Mount says it. Here's a vivid illustration for you. He says, the very idea of responding positively to sin's invitation should strike the believer as morbid. For the Christian to choose to sin is the spiritual equivalent of digging up a corpse for fellowship. Ew, right? And all God's people said, ooh, isn't that gross? That's what it is to sin. So when sin comes a-knocking, church, you've got to say, get lost. That's what God has called us to do. You've got to say, I'm dead to that. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. Paul says this in verse 7. He says, for one who has died has been set free from sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. You've got to know that. You've got to recognize. You've got to remember that. You've got to say it even. Say it out loud if it helps you. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive in Christ Jesus. Freedom, too. We've got to understand this concept of freedom. Freedom doesn't mean just I get to do whatever I want, whatever I want to do it. That's anarchy. Freedom means the ability to do what you ought to do. You are no longer enslaved to sin. In fact, Paul says later, you're enslaved to Jesus Christ. You're enslaved to righteousness. John Piper says this, he says, grace is not simply leniency when we have sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Grace is power, not just pardon. Grace is power. People of Harvest Decatur, access that power in the battle against sin. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says this, says live, Peter says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. There's this great picture in C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. And uh, Lewis pictures this, this man that's half dead, half alive, ghostly looking, and he has this red lizard on his shoulder. Y'all read this before? It's an amazing analogy. And this red lizard on this half-dead person is whispering into his ear sinful and evil thoughts. And this lizard has these claws that are digging into the flesh of this ghost man, tor- torturing him and tormenting him. 
Well, in the midst of this scene where you're just like horrified about what's going on, an angel shows up and asks this ghost man, do you want me to kill that lizard? You want me to take care of that? And this person is so afraid that if he rips off the lizard that it's going to hurt. He says, no, 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 no. But eventually he's like, I can't take this anymore. Please, angel, remove it. So the angel rips off this red lizard. And it, I mean, there's this cry of agony from this ghost man because it hurts. And the angel takes that red lizard and he throws it on the ground and he, he breaks its neck. And then what happens next is amazing. This dead lizard transforms to this stallion. And, and this half-dead man starts to show life again and comes back to life. And he mounts this stallion and rides off into the heavens. It's an amazing picture. That's what it is. That is what it's like to have new life in Christ Jesus. That's what Jesus has done for you. He has killed that red lizard. And he says, mount up, people, with new victory in Christ Jesus. God is breaking the power of sin in our lives and transforming it into something for his glory. So the first thing, so three R's, right? Everybody with me? What was the first R? Realize. Here's the second R. You got to remember. You got to remember your king. Who's our king? Who reigns over our lives? Sin doesn't reign over you anymore, Christian. You are dead to sin and alive to King Jesus. Paul says this in verse 8. He says, now if we have died with Christ. And that's a big if, by the way. I don't want to, you know, I know most of you in this room right now. And I don't know who's watching on the camera right now. That, that, that's a big if. Have you died with Christ Jesus? Are you born again? Are you saved? Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Paul assumes, by the way, Paul assumes here as he's writing to the church that he's writing to a group of Christians. He assumes that. These are believers in Christ Jesus. They're gathering for church. They're worshiping together. So he's, he's assuming that, that they are believers. Paul says later, if you're like, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm a believer, Pastor Tony. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've died with Christ Jesus, if I've been buried and raised to new life. Well, Paul says later in the book of Romans, if you're unsure, you need to know this verse. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's salvation. That's new life in Christ Jesus. Now, if you've got that, Harvest Decatur, listen up. Now, if you have died with Christ, I'm assuming those of you here have, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The word for has dominion here is the Greek kuriuo. We have that up on the screen. Good. Kuriuo. And it means to rule, to lord over, to be master of. It's derived, some of y'all might know this word kurios. It's derived from this or it's at least related to this word kurios for Lord. So it means to lord over, to be the master, to have dominion over. 
And, and let me just tell you, this might hurt your feelings, but you're going to serve somebody, human being. The Bible doesn't give you an option to serve self. You serve self, you're actually serving Satan. You're actually serving sin. You're actually serving death. You either serve Christ or you serve sin. Those are your options. So you're going you're gonna to serve somebody. You might say, Christ, Pastor Tony, I serve Christ. He's my king. I'm going to serve him. Is that what y'all are saying right now? I hope that's what you're saying right now. If you are saying that, then the next time you are tempted to sin, when's that going to happen, Pastor Tony? Probably in the next 30 seconds. <laughs> the next time you're tempted to sin, you've got you to you remember, sin doesn't reign over me. I'm not enslaved to that thing. I'm not enslaved to sin. Jesus Christ is my king, and I'm going to serve him. You got to remember that. If, if it helps you to say it out loud, say it out loud. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to serve King Jesus. And to that you might say, okay, well, Pastor Tony, what if I do sin in that moment? Does that mean I lose my salvation? You know, sometimes I'm susceptible to sin. I don't always fight it off. Does that mean that Christ is no longer my king if I fall? Hear me on this. No, it doesn't. Because Christ being king of your life, after you're justified, that doesn't depend upon you. That depends upon him. He has you in the palm of your hand, his hand, and he's going to take care of you. Everybody with me? Now, I'll tell you this, though. You know what Christ will do? Well, let's say you do. You get tempted in the next 30 seconds, and you sin. You let angry thoughts into your mind. You have hateful speech. Christ, your king, he will do this. He will convict you. Right? Do you all know that to be true? He will chasten you. You'll experience at times through sin, shame. You'll experience sometimes through sin, guilt. Right? I hate guilt, Pastor Tony. Guilt's a bad thing. No, 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 listen. Guilt is a good thing. Guilt with sin, real guilt, real guilt, conviction. That's a reminder you don't belong to sin anymore. Right? That guilt is telling you you represent King Jesus. Represent him rightly. And the Bible teaches if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 night. One nine, right? I heard this last week about a really primitive method for treating alcoholism. It's called the Schick method. Have any of y'all heard of this? It's this is this is kind of a sensitive issue for me. Alcoholism. Both of my uh, grandparents were alcoholics. So my paternal grandfather, who just passed away recently, he went through AA and he got sober. Very proud of him going through that. My maternal grandfather uh, didn't do that, and he basically drank himself to death. So this is a sensitive issue for me. And I was listening when I heard about this method, this Schick method. So here's the method. It's a, it's a way of conditioning. What they do is they inject you with this substance that has a, a, a violent reaction to booze. 
And then they bring in front of you just a huge tray of booze. And they tell you to drink up. So you, you drink as much as you want. You do whatever you want. And once that alcohol reacts with what they injected to you, you get violently ill. You start to vomit. You start to throw up. You start to, you start to hurl out stuff that you didn't even know was inside of you. And supposedly through this method, the Schick method, some people say it actually works. You know, I know uh, just from testimonies that people say, I can't, I can't even go into a 7-Eleven anymore. I can't even, I can't even go near a 7-Eleven because I, I smell the empty bottles. I can't even use aftershave because the smell of it makes, makes me want to throw up. And as I heard that illustration this last week, I was thinking to myself, that's a lot like the Christian life. You, you sin, and maybe you think it's going to feel good like it used to feel. It doesn't. It makes you sick afterwards. It makes you nauseous. You're convicted. You're, you're disgusted by your own actions. Right? Am I the only one that feels this way after sin? And, and that's, the, that's the lure of it with Satan. He kind of leads you to it. Like, remember how good it was when you did this? Remember how fun it can be? And look how enjoyable it is. And that enjoyment level lasts about until the next five seconds after you sin. And then you feel the guilt. You feel the weight of it. Here's what I'm trying to say. When you get saved, you get injected with an agent from God called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is violently opposed to sin. If sin was like water, the Holy Spirit is like oil. If sin was like Al Capone, then the Holy Spirit is like Elliot Ness. If sin is like a thief in the night, the Holy Spirit is like a Doberman pincher chasing that away and the holy spirit starts to work in you and work in you and work in you and change you and you know what harvest again you might say man this sounds tough this sounds horrible pastor tony change and change and conviction and conviction you know what i think about it it's fantastic i love it i mean i don't always love it at the time but i'm slowly being changed into something I could never become on my own. God does that. He loves us enough to do that. Tommy Nelson said this once. He said, this is freedom from sin. He said, freedom is not doing whatever I want. Freedom is doing whatever I should. And God has saved us to do what we ought because doing what you want to do is a very destructive thing. Doing what you should do, what you ought to do, is a very enabling, freeing, and wonderful thing. C.S. Lewis said this once. This is a paraphrase from Mere Christianity. Y'all should read Mere Christianity. It's, it's wonderfully creative and intellectual at the same time. And Lewis talks about what God wants to do in our lives. And this is a paraphrase. He said, most of us go to God saying, if you're coming to my life, could you, just, could you just fix the roof on my cottage? It's leaking. When God wants to transform us into a palace, God wants to tear us down to the studs and rebuild us into something beautiful. 
And yeah, I admit, sometimes it's kind of painful. The conviction that comes and the changes that God works in us. But it's fantastic. I love it. I want more of it. So three R's. What was the first one again? What's the second one? We realize our freedom. We remember our king. Here's the third thing. We reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. We reckon. That is a great word, harvesticator. If you don't know that word, you should know that word. And it's not like, it's not like we say in Texas, you know, I reckon he went that away. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. The Greek word is logizomai, and we derive our English word logic from this word logizomai. And it's often used as an accounting term, meaning charge to the account. In terms of a ledger, we count ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. We move our transaction from death, sin, to alive Christ. We don't write a check backed by the bank of sin and death. We write a check backed by the bank of Jesus Christ. Warren Wearsby said it this way. He said, Paul didn't tell his readers to feel as if they were dead to sin or even to understand it fully, but to act on God's word and claim it for themselves. Reckoning is a matter of faith that issues an action. It's like endorsing a check. If we really believe that the money is in the checking account, we will sign our name and collect the money. Just as a clarification, when Paul says in verse 11, consider yourselves dead to sin, he's not saying, you know, become dead to sin. You need to become dead to sin. He's saying you're already dead to sin. Reckon it that way. Count it that way. Think that way. Realize that. That's the idea here. Stop acting like you're alive to sin. Stop acting like you're alive to death. Start acting like you're alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul says this in verse 10. He says, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Christ died a sacrificial death for all of us. Christ lives a life now for the glory of God. Christ is our example in this way. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourself. So you also must reckon yourself. So you also must count yourselves. So you, else must, so you also must logizomai yourself. Dead to sin. I am dead to sin. I'm dead to it. I don't live for that anymore. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. I don't serve sin. I serve Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit works in you and works in you and works in you and changes you until you're 70, until you're 90. He does that work in your life. By the way, verse 11, this is, this is the first command in the book of Romans. Do you know that? How long have we been studying the book of Romans? Two years? <laughs> Not yet. We've been through five chapters in the book of Romans, and we haven't had a command yet from the Apostle Paul. And this is in Greek, this word logizomai. In Greek, it's, it's in what's called the imperative mood. 
and it's a command. And in my office, I have this Greek Bible that I color code all the verb conjugations. And whenever I see a command in the scriptures in Greek, I, I highlight it pink. Don't ask me why I do that. I just do that. It stands out. So you look through the Bible and you see the pink. You see the commands. This is the first pink in Romans right here. The first command that Paul gives us. And I think that's because for the first five chapters, he just assumes you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. Now here comes the command. And what's the command? Do this, Harvest Decatur. Verse 11. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do that. Do that about a million times before you die. This is what God wants us to do. We're going to fight. We're going to defeat sin. We're going to access the Holy Spirit inside of us to do this spiritual work of sanctification. And and to that you might say, okay, Pastor, it is a fight. It is hard. When's this fight going to end? When's it going to stop being hard? When am I going to master this? I don't know about you, but I haven't reached that place yet. Have you? Pastoral confession time. Everybody ready? January, February of this year, I was feeling pretty good about myself. It's like, man, I, I think I've arrived. Maybe, maybe, maybe John Wesley was right about that sinlessness thing. Maybe I'm entering into a period of sinlessness. But then COVID-19... Hello. And I'm angry. I don't even know why sometimes. And I'm fearful. And I'm, I'm anxious like I used to get anxious. And there's this sometimes, there's this hate and there's this fear that rises up inside of me. And there's this impatience that rises up inside of me. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And there's two, I'm still confessing, okay? I could probably go on for another 30 minutes, but I won't. There's this apathy, too, that rises inside of me. When's this fight going to end, Pastor Tony? When are we going to experience eternal victory over sin? Someday. But not today. Not unless Jesus comes back. Come, Lord Jesus. That'd be great. In between this period, remember, we're justification. We were saved. Sanctification, we are being saved. Glorification, we will be saved. Where are we right now? If you're a saved follower of Jesus Christ, justification is in your rear view mirror. You're looking forward someday to glorification, receiving those new glorified bodies. Right now, you're in the sanctification phase. You are. And you'll be there until you die or until Christ comes back. And it's a, it's a slog sometimes. I get it. Francis of Assisi, he, um, he called his body, this body of sin, he called it brother donkey. 
And, you know, as I've been thinking about that all week after hearing that. And that actually makes sense. You tell your body to do something. It's like, hee-haw, I'm not doing that. Right? That's pretty apt. We reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. It's a fight. It's a slog. It's hard. It's fun sometimes. But someday it'll be over. And we'll be in a glorified state with Christ Jesus forever. Right? We can hold out for a few years, can't we? If we need to. Some of y'all have more years than others. I'll close with this. And then we're going to sing and we're going to worship the Lord. I heard this last week about Queen Victoria the great monarch of England in the 19th century, I heard that when she was young, they knew that she would probably be queen someday. And so they decided not to tell her that you're going to be queen because they didn't want to spoil her. So they just raised her like a normal, I guess, wealthy monarch <laughs> who didn't know she was going to be king. But eventually her teacher let her, find, let, let her figure out that she was going to be queen. And so she discovered it and... Here was her response. Even as a young girl, here's what Queen Victoria, the future Queen Victoria said. She said, I'm going to be queen. Okay. Then I will be good. She said, then I will be good. And you know what? She was a good queen. She reigned for 63 years. She reigned longer than any other monarch, except for Elizabeth II, the current queen. Here's the application for you, Harvest Decatur. Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. Someday, hopefully soon, he's going to come back. He's going to take us to glory. If you die, someday you're going to receive a new glorified body. You have an eternity to reign with Jesus Christ ahead of you. That's what we're awaiting. You know what we do in the meantime? Here's our resolve in the meantime. It should be like Queen Victoria. Then I will be good. Let, let me put it in spiritual categories for you. This will speak to you more. Say this. Determine this. Then I will be holy. Then I will follow Christ. Then I will live like Christ. Not by my own power. I don't have the power to do this. But by the Holy Spirit living in me, helping me, I will be good. I will be holy. That's sanctification, harvesticator. That's how we change. That's the three R's. That's what God has called us to do. God make us holy. Amen. Let me pray to that end and then we can sing together. Lord Jesus, on behalf of this church, everybody listening right now, we say thank you for saving our souls. We confess, Lord, that nothing we do can ultimately please you because we are tainted by sin. But in our sinful state, you willingly 
died on the cross for our sins. Not only to remove our sin, but to give us your righteousness. You are so worthy of our worship, Lord. And Lord, we're going to worship you in song right now. There's so many ways we can worship you. We can worship you with our minds, with our hearts. We can worship you with our giving. We can also offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable before you. That is a reasonable act of worship. God, take these bodies, take these lives, make them holy. Give us victory over sin. Give us a will to say, I'm dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Give us a will to do that, Lord, to live for you, I pray. And to be holy. We want to be holy. Help us with that, we pray in the strong name of Jesus.